So if you have not, please open your Bibles uh, to 1 Corinthians. We're going to be in uh, chapter 9. We're going to be verses 19 through 23, as Ryan read for us. And the past several weeks, we have been allowing God's Word to confront us, challenge us, unsettle us regarding the ways that we use our rights and our privileges and our freedoms. It's amazing how God's Word is timeless. <laughs> when, I, you know, when, when we set out to go through the book of 1 Corinthians over a year ago, and I thought through the passages and sort of the themes and kind of anticipated the, the ways that God's word would land on us. There, there's been some ways that I did not anticipate. And this, this section is one. I, I didn't necessarily think through the ways that this was going to be relevant to our day and our culture. And for God's word to press in and get us to reflect and think, how do we use our freedom? How do we use our rights and our privileges? Now, there's been some challenges, as we've seen the past few weeks. One, some of the ways that Paul speaks, or some of the issues that Paul is speaking about, the specific context, is not necessarily things that we face today. Meat sacrificed to idols. That's not really a thing that we have to deal with today. And so we've admitted, hey, how do we find exact application in this is a little bit unknown in some ways. However, the deeper issue, the deeper challenge, has been that our culture so decidedly wants to demand rights and demand freedoms and demand privileges that we have been caught up in that and our hearts have been shaped in that. So that the very mention of someone saying, hey, lay down your rights and freedoms and our fists go up. We buck against it. We don't like it. Now look, plenty of places to ask questions about this text and wrestle through it. Questions like, is Paul saying we should just hand all our rights over to the government? No, <laughs> Is, is he saying that we should just accommodate those with weak consciences and bad theology? No. He's talking about love and serving and sacrificing, not validating bad theology. Uh, the fact that there's not a one-to-one -one correlation in some of the direct context, does that mean that there's no way to apply this? No. But it's going to take prayer and wrestle and, and searching and considering and processing and seeking the Lord on how exactly to do that. So there's good places for questions but as we move forward, we have to be careful, church. We have to be careful that our questions don't be a, become a cover for not doing what God's word calls us to do. Sometimes questions are smoke screens. We spend so much time trying to tease out the way a passage applies and does this apply or does this apply? Is this the, the right way to interpret the passage? Does this context fit our context? And we spend all that time doing that work that we don't focus on the important thing, which is our hearts. <laughs> We're not spending time cultivating hearts before the Lord, hearts that are willing and humble, hearts that want to be like Jesus, to be near him and to love him and walk as he walked. And so for those of you who are part of First City Church, how's that work been going? How has that work been going as you're spending time with the Lord yourself in prayer and in, in his word, as you're wrestling out, Lord, how do I apply this to my own life? How's that work been going? Or how about in gospel community? As we've wrestled through questions and had conversations with one another, and we've done this as a church community, how has that work been going in gospel community? And if you're new to First City, but we want to invite you into this as we together seek to follow Jesus in a better way. In, in the midst of a culture that so decidedly demands rights and freedoms and privileges and gets angry and manipulates people to do that, we want to walk humbly 
and prayerfully before the Lord and be different. Rather than being those who selfishly demand our rights, we want to be those who willingly lay down our rights to build others up in love and in Christ. And so we invite you to join us in this as the Lord works on our hearts and changes us as a community. And in our passage this morning, God's word is going to point us to the missional and kingdom-building power that comes when we lay down our rights. Because as disciples of Jesus, as those who follow Christ, we've been given a commission. We have been called to go into the world, proclaim the gospel, and make disciples. And this isn't something we just add on to the rest of our lives. No, we are missionaries. Christ has made us missionaries. It's our identity. We don't add this on to our life. This is what defines how we live our ordinary lives. And for First City Church, we planted almost six years ago, and we didn't plant for convenience. (laughs) Last thing in the world, planting a church is, is convenience. But we did not plant because Coram Deo ran out of space. We didn't plant so that we could have a church closer to where we all live and just do church with all of our friends. No, that's not why we planted. We planted with a distinct mission to glorify God by making disciples. That's why we exist. That's why we're here. How are we doing? (laughs) How are we doing in that mission? Are we committed to that mission? The title for my message this morning is In It, to win it. In it, to win it. Are we in it? Meaning, it is the heartbeat, the lifeblood, the blazing center of our community, the glory of God such that we are overwhelmed by it and we are compelled and propelled to go into our city and proclaim the gospel and make disciples. Are we in it? And are we in it to win it? Meaning, are we not satisfied Are we not content? Are we not settled unless people actually are coming to Jesus? We're not on hypothetical mission. We want to see the gospel bear fruits. Are we in it to win it? First City Church, to to be a church committed to the mission Jesus has given us, to see lives transformed by the gospel and disciples made, to be in it to win it. God's word in 1 Corinthians 9 calls us to this. Lay down rights to win people to Christ. Lay down rights to win people to Christ. And in our laying down our rights, there's three considerations from this passage for how we do this. Willingly, thoughtfully, and purposefully. We're going to look at these three aspects. First, Paul states in verse 19 that he willingly lays down his rights to win people to Christ. Although I am free from all and not anyone's slave, I have made myself a slave to everyone. He's free from all, meaning he is not a servant of man. He's in no one's pockets. No one is commanding him. His conscience is not bound to the whims of expectations of people. His conscience is not bound by the culture and the politics of his day. He's not a slave to dead religion. He's not a slave to man-made morality. No, he, his freedom in Christ is unhindered in one sense, that he is not controlled by any other thing other than Christ. He is free from all. And yet, and yet, he says, I've made myself, he has made himself a slave 
to everyone. He willingly submits his rights. He willingly lays down his privileges and freedoms and comforts and preferences. He willingly boxes himself in and restricts the exercise of his freedom, of his privilege, of his preferences for the sake of the gospel. Uh, Paul does this on his own. He chooses to do this. He's not coerced. He's not guilted. He's not shamed into doing this. He does it willingly. And it's important that we recognize this because, listen, our culture, even though it it cries out and demands freedom, it also does this really weird thing. It, It has this vendetta against privilege. I mean, it will guilt and shame and manipulate you into laying down your privilege under the guise of benefiting those less fortunate, right? Check your privilege is what you're here in our culture. But make no mistake, while that comes, while that comes with this sense that, hey, you need to do this for the less fortunate, that is not about the less fortunate, Friends, that is not about laying down rights for the less fortunate. This is political and cultural power grabs. This is manipulation and guilt and shame. This is playing politics and fighting for power, and it's done with the emotional maturity of five-year-olds in a slap fight. Apologies to the five-year-olds in the room. And so what we need to be careful about, what we need to be careful of, It's how we get caught up in this, and we do get caught up in it. Christians get caught up in this. We can be overtaken by the manipulation and the guilt and the shame, and and we we sort of lay down right and privilege because we think, oh boy, if I don't do this, I'm a terrible person. Or we do this. We respond in anger, and we push back, and we say, you're not going to take your rights from me. And so you have guilt and shame and manipulation on one side, and you have anger on the other Now, is there space to push back on this stuff? Absolutely. But make no mistake, the anger and vitriol that we get caught up in, it's not healthy. It's not right. It's not godly. There's nothing healthy about getting caught up in that anger and vitriol. There's nothing healthy about grabbing more tightly onto your rights. And so, church, we we are caught up in this this ugliness of manipulation, guilt, and shame, and anger. And for us, to, <laughs> for, for us to step out of that and be free of that, it's going to require that we fix our eyes some, on something else. It's going to require that we fix our eyes on Jesus. It's going to require that God's word is the thing that rules and shapes our heart. It's going to require that our priorities are shaped by kingdom priorities. If we're going to be those who willingly lay down our rights rather than angrily, or excuse me, rather than selfishly, or as far as guilt and shame, and we try to, we try to um, grab onto rights or have this weird emotional state in the way that we let go of them, it's going to take, it's going to take the power of the Holy Spirit. It's going to take being able to stand in the rights that we have, stand in the truth that God has given us. It's going to require that that we hold on to Jesus and Jesus is our prize. And in that, we can say, I can willingly let go of these rights and privileges 
to win others to Christ. And so friends, here's a question for us. Here's what we have to be honest about. What has our hearts? What is shaping our hearts? Are our hearts being shaped in and growing in a willingness to lay down our rights? A true willingness, not a manipulative willingness. Are we becoming more open-handed or are we becoming more tight-fisted? With all the manipulation around us, with all the guilt and shame going around us, are we becoming more open-handed in light of the gospel or are we becoming more tight-fisted? Let us be those, even at the risk of being misunderstood, even at the risk of people not understanding why we do what we do, be those who are open-handed. Let us be those rather than who are gazing at media and social media and politics and getting caught in the trap of manipulation and anger. Look to Christ. Let's put our gaze on Jesus, the one who willingly laid down his rights, entered into our world and died for us to set us free from our sin. The one who now calls us out of darkness as we profess this morning and calls us into his marvelous light. And what does he do? He gives us something to live for greater than just rights and freedoms and privileges. He he says, join me on mission. Come follow me and then go and tell others about me and give your life that others may find their joy in me. That's what we're giving ourselves to, church. That's why we willingly lay down our rights so that we can then go and win others to Christ. Let us fix our eyes on Jesus. Let us be in it to win it, willingly laying down our rights to win others to Christ. Paul not only willingly laid down his rights, He also thoughtfully laid down his rights. In verses 20 through 22, he fills out what it means that he made himself a slave to everyone. This is what he writes. To the Jews that became like a Jew, to those under the law, like one under the law, though I myself am not under the law. To those who are without the law, like one without the law, though I am not without God's law, but under the law of Christ. To the weak I became weak, I have become all things to all people, so that I may I may, by every possible means, save some. So what Paul is saying here is that he entered into the life of various people, entered into different cultures and customs. And so to the Jews, he became like a Jew, meaning he began to practice their culture and their customs and their religious traditions. Now, this doesn't mean Paul's conscience was bound to that, those religious customs. He says that I'm not under the law, meaning that law doesn't bind my conscience. But as those religious practices ultimately sort of pointed to the one true God, he could practice them as sort of secondary religious practice, secondary importance. And so he said, I have no problem becoming like a Jew and practicing their customs to enter into those spaces, to become friends and build relationships with those people in order to share the gospel. He does the same with those who are without the law, which is those who are Gentiles, Everybody who's not a Jew is a Gentile, those who did not have the Old Testament law. He said he became like Gentiles. He entered in culturally to those spaces as well and built relationships with those people as well. But he makes a, he makes a point here. That doesn't mean that I adopted all of their religious practices because their religion was sinful. It doesn't mean that he jumped into all their immorality that they practiced. He was still under the law of Christ. 
He was thoughtful in the way that he laid down his rights and entered into relationship with people. Paul also says he became like the weak. And in these verses, the weak has a little bit different meaning than what we saw in chapter 8, verses 7 through 13. In chapter 8, the weak meant those that had weak consciences, that didn't have the theological knowledge and the spiritual maturity to, to be able to walk in the fullness of freedom of Christ. That was the, that's the weak that he was talking about here. Here he is talking about those who are socially weak, circumstantially weak. Paul's not saying, I went and made my conscience weak. I became like one who has bad theology and bound myself. No, he's not saying he went backwards in spiritual maturity. He's saying he became like those who are on the margins of society, the weak, the vulnerable, the unfortunate, that he entered into those hard spaces and became like them, lived like them if necessary, in order to share the gospel with them. And another part of becoming like the Jews and the Gentiles and the weak is that he did everything he could not to offend them. And he says this in chapter 9, verse 11, as we saw last week, and then he will say it later in chapter 10, verses, verse 32. Like he made himself a slave and he submitted to cultures and customs to, to enter into their life and their world to, so that he could be friends with them and build relationships with them. But he was also careful not to offend them. He didn't go in and demand his rights and live the way that he wanted to. No, he let go of the things that he needed to let go of. He, he, he willingly laid down certain rights and privileges that he had if it meant not offending these particular groups. And so, if he was free to eat certain foods, he'd eat it. But if he needed not to eat certain foods, so be it. If he needed to take up certain religious practices, he would. If he didn't, so be it. If he could enjoy certain comforts and privileges, so be it. If he needed to lay those down to enter into spaces and relationships with people, so be it. Whatever it took not to, so that people would not stumble over him, and so he had opportunities to share the gospel. He thoughtfully entered in. He thoughtfully laid down rights to win people to Christ. And friends, this is drastically different than the tribalistic, heel-digging, wall-building world that we live in. You see, Paul entered into life in spaces of various groups of people, and these people didn't like each other. Jews and Gentiles didn't get along. And so Paul didn't allow the, the tribal and the cultural politics of his day define him or deter him. He willingly and thoughtfully entered into whatever space he needed to, to develop relationships with whoever he needed to, and he didn't let all of the hatred and the tribalism define or stop him. Now, I suppose, I suppose, hypothetically, Paul could have gone in and demanded his rights Suppose he could have went in, and if they tried to deter his freedom in Christ, he's like, no way, you're not gonna let, I'm not going to let you deter my freedom in Christ. Jews, I know you don't eat pork, but I'm going to eat this bacon. I don't care if you like it or not. Oh, and by the way, have you heard of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ? Silly, right? Absolutely silly. And yet, this is what we do. Christians, this is what we do. How often do we rail and get angry and scream at people, scream at the other side, pick fights with the other side, 
all the while going, have you heard of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ? I mean, we will, we, we will fight and we will rail and we will demand our rights and think that's righteous and then expect people to listen to us when we're talking about Jesus? Hey, have you guys heard the story about the time when Christians railed about politics and masks and vaccines on social media and revival broke out? And yet, this is what we do. This is what we do. I mean, look, yes, the gospel is offensive. The gospel of Jesus Christ will offend the rebellious and the unrepentant. But we are kidding ourselves. If we think people are going to want to hear us talk about Jesus while we are yelling and screaming and using all of our energy to demand our rights, just like everybody else in the world, where we're purposely picking fights, saying, I'm standing up against the culture. And then we want to tell them about Jesus. I mean, when we do that, do we communicate that Jesus is the most glorious? Do we communicate that our Savior was a crucified king? One who laid down his rights and his privileges and died for us? Do, do we communicate that the path of the gospel is a path of dying to self and of humility? No. Friends, we need to be shaped by God's word in the gospel, not our culture, and not the anger and the vitriol and the manipulation. Now, some may ask, isn't this a recipe for compromise? It's a fair question to some degree. Not if we're not compromising the gospel. Look, Paul willingly and thoughtfully laid down his rights, but he never compromised the gospel. You know, we, we see in the book of Galatians and the book of Acts that there was a time when he was rolling with a ministry partner named Titus, and Titus was a Gentile, and there was these group of Jews who wanted to circumcise Titus because they said, that's the way to follow, faithfully follow Jesus. You have to get circumcised. And Paul was like, no way. I'm not compromising the gospel. You're not, you're not circumcising him. But then there's this other example of where another ministry partner, Timothy, who is half Jewish, in order for Timothy to enter into the temple, temple and evangelize the Jews, got himself circumcised. I'll be honest, if I was Timothy, I'd be like, hey, yo, Paul, um, you know, my boy Titus, he didn't have to do this. Can, can, can I keep my freedom? But Paul would not, would not compromise the gospel, but he would willingly lay down rights if it didn't compromise the gospel. And so look, yes, maybe, maybe it is that you laying down rights is out of fear and manipulation and you compromise the gospel. But don't fool yourself if you don't think the anger doesn't compromise the gospel as well. But look, if the glory of Jesus has our hearts, if the glory of Jesus is what drives us, is what we are so in love with Christ and we want to be like Jesus and walk like Jesus, we want people to know Jesus, if that's what's motivating us, then laying down rights, thoughtfully laying down rights, is not compromise. Also remember that the same Apostle Paul who was willing to lay down his rights, thoughtfully lay down his rights, who went out of his way not to offend people, is the same Apostle Paul who was beaten with an inch of his life multiple times, was thrown into prison, was mocked and ridiculed, and ultimately killed for Jesus. 
Friends, thoughtfully laying down rights is not compromise. It's the way of the cross. And there is beautiful, beautiful gospel power that is unleashed when we are willingly and thoughtfully laying down our rights to win others to Christ. I mean, can you imagine if rather than people hearing the gospel come from angry Christians ranting and raving on social media, they heard the gospel from Christians who loved people and served them and willingly sacrificed and laid down rights and freedoms. Can you imagine that the conversation may change? It doesn't guarantee anything. You can be as winsome as possible and people still will oppose you. But it changes the conversation. It causes people to notice different things. Could it be that they could go, man, maybe this Jesus is a big deal? Because rather than ranting and raving and holding on to rights and holding on to possessions, people willingly let them go and sacrifice and love people. Man, maybe I should consider Jesus. Maybe Jesus is glorious. Because when I see his people and when I see First City Church, man, they ooze grace and love. There's something different about them. That, that what is most obvious about them is that they love Jesus and love people. I don't even know their politics. I don't know what they think about masks or vaccines, and I don't care because they seem to have something greater than all of that and be driven by something all of that, and they want me to know that more than anything else. Would that not change the conversation, friends, for the glory of Christ, that he may be exalted above all else, that others may see his glory and goodness and put their faith in him? Let's be in it to win it. And let's willingly and thoughtfully lay down our rights to win others to Christ. Finally, Paul willingly laid down his rights, thoughtfully laid down his rights, and purposely laid down his rights. Paul makes it abundantly clear his purpose in becoming a slave to all. He says, to win more people. Then he says, to win those under the law. Then he says, to win those without the law. And then he says, to win the weak. And then he says, that I may by every possible means save some. See the pattern? <laughs> Paul is making it clear. I'm doing all of this for a purpose, to win others to Christ. Because look, being kind, being loving, being sacrificial, all of that is good, but it's not sufficient. Friends, that's not our purpose ultimately. Why? Because as much as our love and our sacrifice can bring good into the world, we're not the world's hope. The world doesn't need us ultimately, doesn't need our love ultimately, doesn't need our sacrifice ultimately. It needs Jesus. And so our purpose is always to win people to Christ. And here's what's beautiful about this. God uses us. <laughs> God uses us. Friends, let's not get wrapped around the axle with God's sovereignty and salvation. Let's not hide behind that and be passive behind that. The same apostle Paul that wrote Ephesians 1 and Romans 9 through 11 writes this, that I might by every possible means save some. Paul absolutely knew and believed that God was going to use him. And so he was active and he was purposeful to win people to Christ. And you want to talk about privilege? What a privilege. What a privilege that Jesus Christ, the sovereign king of the universe, would use sinful, broken, messy, weak, earthen vessels, as Paul calls us in 2 Corinthians, that he would use us 
that he would use me, he would use you. If you don't marvel at that, <laughs> if that doesn't humble you and amaze you, that Jesus said, follow me, I will make you fishers of men, follow me, declare my gospel, and I'm going to use you to bring others to me. What an amazing, amazing privilege, and that is our purpose, church. That's why we do this. So do we, do you, do I, do we live with this purpose? Is this purpose firing in our hearts? Do we long for more people to know Jesus? Does our heart break over those who are lost in our city? Does our heart break over our friends and our family members and our coworkers and our neighbors like it should? God, like so many things in this passage, God exposed me this week and I'm like, I know my heart doesn't break the way it needs to. Like I don't marvel the same way Paul marveled. I'm not as purposeful as Paul was purposeful. But yeah, here's this call. Here's this wonderful privilege, this wonderful invitation. And it doesn't come through guilt and shame. It doesn't come through manipulation. Paul says in verse 23, he does all that he does because of the gospel so that he may share in the blessings. There is this great blessing, this great joy that we get to share when the gospel bears through fruit through us. When Christ is made famous through us, when, when our efforts, when through our efforts, people turn from sin and turn to Christ and their hearts are filled with adoration and love for him, what joy, what excitement, what a sense and a glimpse of, wow, we are part of something far bigger than just ourselves and our own lives, far bigger than what is going on politically and culturally in our worlds. Friends, when that joy is what drives us, when that joy is what captures our hearts, when the glory of Christ and the desire for other people to know him is what gets us, then we are willing to say, whatever you ask, Lord, or whatever it takes, by any means possible, whatever right I need to lay down, whatever freedom I need to give up, whatever privilege I need to surrender, whatever comfort I need to walk away from, whatever preference I need to release, I will do it so that others may know Jesus because there's joy in that. There's so much joy in that. Look, I know gospel ministry can be hard, not just for people who do it full time. So many of you have given yourselves and you don't get paid for it. You're my heroes. You give yourselves to see others know Jesus and you disciple and you pray and you love and you sacrifice and you lay down rights. And I know that is hard. But there's great joy in it too. There's <laughs> great joy in it. Jesus wants us to experience that joy that comes when we share in the blessings of the gospel. It's why, part of why he invites us into that because he wants to lavish joy on us. He wants to say, get in on this because it's great. Paul's purpose, his great joy, was to win people to Christ. And that Christ was glorified and people find their life in him. That's why he willingly laid down his rights. That's why he thoughtfully laid down his rights. May we, First City Church, be the same. May that purpose and that joy be our purpose Enjoy. May it compel us and propel us. 
May it define us in everything that we do. May it drive us to be faithful in our mission to make disciples. And here's what's great about this. You don't have to be an expert in theology. You don't have to be the most eloquent, articulate. You don't have to read all the apologetics books and know how to answer every argument. You can love, sacrifice, lay down your rights for other people, and the Holy Spirit will unleash gospel power through you. We all, through the power of the Holy Spirit, can do this and be a part of this and get in on this joy. And so First City Church, to be, a committed and faithful, to be committed and faithful to the mission of Jesus, to see the gospel transform the lives of those in the city and around the world, let us be in it to win it. Let us willingly, thoughtfully, and purposefully lay down our rights to win others to Christ. Let's pray.